These are fun, off-the-cuff discussions on movies and streaming series, both new and old. Together, we'll attempt to bridge the gap between Hollywood Industry Insider and the casual viewer. This is Alec. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to the Cinema A to B Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cinema A to B. Today, we're going to be talking about the 2023 film, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the second movie in this kind of Sony Marvel team up little uh, con- animated concoction. So, Ben, thoughts, buddy? What'd you think? I'm going to shock you. Oh, to date, this is my probably my second favorite film of 2023. Wow. OK, yeah, I think in, in, in fact, there are days where I think this is the best thing I've seen. Now, I think Oppenheimer is the better film. And and I and I have them ranked that way in my own favorites, but I was just blown away when I saw this in the in the cinema. But the thing is, you either really like this visual aesthetic that they've created for this, mm. or you don't. It's not highly divisive, but there there are enough people that just think it is just this cobbled together mess of you know traditional animation and more three D. And I love it. I mm. love it. And I didn't think that they could take the kind of where they had placed the first film and, and surpass it. But I really felt like they did not, not just visually, but I felt like the narrative was, was more interesting too. I, I do. I, I adore this movie. Um, is it in my top 10? No, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I, my jaw was on the floor about mm. half, you know, midway through the film. I was just, this, this thing is insane insane and this and the the writing's good and their voice works good oh yeah and i didn't know exactly where things were going and the cliffhanger they give you is straight out of like we're talking like empire strikes back level cliffhanger which kind of pissed people off but i was ready for it and was like okay because now i get to anticipate a part three which is going to take them forever to make yeah and i'll get into why that is um after I get your thoughts on on this, and I'd, I'd been kind of badgering you a little bit to watch. <laughs> yeah. So needed needed need to get a watch, and I so you really set that up for me to think that you are not going to like this movie, like the way you the way you just said that, like it can be surprising. Um, I am not surprised that this is fighting for the top spot um, in your for twenty twenty three movies because. I I'm kicking myself for not seeing the theater because obviously you know it's on streaming now. Watched it at home, you know, in the proper proper way. But my goodness, it's absolutely gorgeous. It is. I I know some people, like you said, some people hear the animation. I loved it. I loved because it wasn't. It it felt purposeful. It felt meticulous. It felt like they weren't just like throwing things against the wall and seeing what stuck, and that's what they kept. It thought like everything was really thought up. I mean, the, the character Hobie or whatever, like his like. Laura and I were talking about it. Like it feels like very much more like a charcoal drawing on, in some form or fashions. And like it, from his world, there's there, there's that it, this movie knows what it is. Doesn't try to be more than what it is. And it's not afraid to kind of not take shots at itself, but to add some levity to the situation because it also, again, knows what it is. I'm going to tell you, this is the best thing, the best Marvel movie that's come out since, I would say probably infinity war for me. Like I know it's not technically an MCU film. It's more Sony than it is Marvel um, since they still own the rights to Spider-Man, but 
at this point, you know, with the whole multiverse thing being a thing, like it, you could obviously touch it. I mean, there's so much they did in this film. And like, again, the, the acting, the voice acting is phenomenal. Like there's not a performance that either a took me out of it or maybe go, man, that wasn't that great. Everything was on point. The dialogue was fantastic. I mean, heck, if you really liked it and Oscar Isaac, your, your not so favorite actor at the moment, like if he's in it and, and, you know, uh, doing a great performance, like, I mean, it, it was so well done. And I, I, I saw the, I was a little bit slow and I, you know, behind the times and saw the first one, I think last year, maybe, um, really liked it. And so, but I completely agree with you that this one is better than the first one. I really like the first one, but there's something about this one that they just amped it up. And that, like you said, that cliffhanger was crazy. I start, I kind of not figured it out, but I kind of knew some things were missed. So it didn't give me that same kind of weight that I think that went, that Laura really felt, but we both walked away going, we really enjoyed it. And like, it was, this definitely is one of those movies that needed every minute that it had to really push it across. Cause, and I didn't know it was a, you know, a part two of a, of a trilogy. So like, I'm sitting here going, my goodness, like we're almost two hours in and, and how are we going to wrap up all these storylines? Like what the <laughs> heck is going on? Like, I'm like, what? Like, and so then we hit them like, Oh, and you know, and it's just, whoo, man, it does. It hits, it checks kind of all the boxes of what you would want in kind of a big blockbuster. It, you're right. It has really nice moments of levity, but coursing throughout it is ultimately a pretty serious film, mm-hmm. but it never feels like self-important at its core, it's merely about relationships, which I love. Everything visually that is a feast for the eyes is really just a backdrop for for a lot of conflicted relationships with mainly between children, like young adults and their parents. It is. It's just really thoughtful, thought-provoking writing and, and just a kind of tremendous kind of coming of age stuff, kind of a, an older coming of age than say something like, um, I'm going to go way back. Something like stand by me. You know, it's a little, it's an older Mm. character than that, but he's still figuring himself out. Gwen's still figuring herself out and they're just caught in these circumstances that are like so much bigger Mm-hmm. Then what they're it's interesting because it's like the easy stuff is for him like fighting and using his abilities and the the hard stuff is him having conversations with his mother and his father. Yeah. And it's a really interesting dichotomy. So and the and the movie never seems to forget that that it at its core it is. It's about kind of breaking down walls that we put between ourselves and our parents or people we care about because we don't want to hurt them. So we don't tell them the truth. It's, it's really simple kind of human dynamic within the backdrop of this, of this multiverse. And so it really, it, it feels kind of like everything everywhere all at once in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. like they're very yin and yang films with, with what they're kind of doing, because that's that at its core was merely a relationship film as well. And I think there's something to this. I I think there's a lesson to be learned here that it doesn't need to be just, you know, these stories where you're fighting somebody and trying to save, you know, that's cool, but 
if you put this human element in it and really allow these characters to deal with stuff that we as people really deal with on a daily basis, if you write that in, it becomes extremely compelling. And in a lot and Andor has that in common too, because at its core is it's, yep. it's relationships. And can I trust you? And is this worth fighting for? Is this not worth fighting for? And there's, there's a formula here for, for these things that really work that I think audiences really respond to. And this thing's made a ton of money. Yeah. As a ton did. of money. I don't think it did as well as uh, Mario, oh. but no, I don't think it did quite as well as Mario, but it, it's still up there as far as 2023 box office gross is it's way up there. And yeah, I, I'm not saying it's better than Oppenheimer, but I'm, I'm saying it was not, they're very, I understand they're very different movies and I, I'm sure people disagree with me. They're like, you're crazy. Oppenheimer is like the best thing ever. Yeah. I, I really liked Oppenheimer. I just, I think this is super bleeding edge stuff. Mm-hmm. Th- this whole aesthetic they've come up with is just bleeding edge. I didn't know a movie could look like this. Mm-hmm. Even after the first one, I, the first one was like, I didn't know a movie could look like this. And then I was like, well, how are they going to top it? They topped it. They topped it. I don't know how they're going to top this one, but it, you know, if they keep oh. the writing good, it won't matter. Yeah. Well, I, I think at this point, Sony's letting what Christopher Miller and Phil Lord and um, whoever like print their own checks and just be like, let them, let them write, let them do. Cause they didn't direct. Like they just basically wrote it. I think they produced it too. Um, but they let go of the people direct the movie. So I think well, I'm trying to, and I'm trying to remember which one of them that is kind of created such a problem. Is it Lord? I, I don't know. I'm sorry. That one. I, that I one think I it know. is. So I'll have to double check, but this is the one famously, and there's articles substantiating all this, that visual effects artists were forced to, to revise things that had been like signed off on like sequences that had been like f- were finals, like mm. final renders that had taken forever to render out and been approved. And then the writing and producing team see it and say, no, we got to change it. Even though they like signed off in the pre-visuals that, Oh yeah, that looks right. And it, it delayed the film by By a substantial amount. They had a plethora of visual effects artists quit during the production of this because of that method. Whereas like this could have been revised way earlier in the process. What are we doing? And, and I believe it's Lord. I believe it's Phil Lord. That's like the main impetus for this. And it made a lot of people really angry and I don't blame them. Yeah. So yeah, they were kind of just bleeding through VFX team members just saying, I'm not dealing with this anymore. This is insane. Like you had your opportunity to change these sequences before we did a final render on them. And so that's why I'm saying that the, that part three is going to take forever. Yep. Cause he, you're right. He got a, they got a blank check from Sony and they're not, he's not going to change the method that they use to make this. Cause I think the first one was basically the same deal. Yeah. So I'm kind of torn on that because I see the final result and it's like, it's incredible, but, and I've not worked in visual effects, but we've both worked in the industry. And, and so I have a ton of empathy for those people. Yeah especially VFX artists that have been just walked all over forever. And then now with like the last couple 
big movies that have had entire marketing campaigns built around them that there were no visual effects used. Top Gun Maverick, <coughs> Oppenheimer. <laughs> when there was, there's a ton of compo- composite work done by visual effects teams. And not a lot of people left off the credits. They've basically said that that was true. Yeah. That stuff makes me angry. And so like... Because you don't have a movie without that. Like you don't have a no, product. No, no. And you can go in now in the behind the scenes of Top Gun Maverick and see how much work was done on those shots. And they're incredible and they look real, but they, they basically weren't other than the pilot sitting in the cockpit, like everything else out there shots where everything other than the pilot is fake. Mm-hmm. And then they claim is all <laughs> acquired in camera. So I feel for those people. Yep. So it's a, it's good for us to know the blood, sweat and literal tears that go into making these things. But yeah, this, this is just really high level filmmaking. I just think it it gets glossed over because it's animated. Yep. It's kind of the same thing that we talked about, like the it'll get relegated to best animated movie and won't be up for best picture because uh, animated. It's much like best pictures are mostly dramas and not comedies because we all feel like, oh, well, it's not a serious topic. So the movie's not as good, even though. Com- a good comedy is so much harder to do or pull off well. And some of them have really deep stories. Like, like you said, this has such a great story. This has every making of a fantastic film. And if it was done, one, it'd be hundreds of millions of dollars more than what the budget was to do this actually like in live action. But then it would also still be a superhero movie. So it'd be relegated to not being best picture. So you'd have to like take it out of being superhero and also put in live action to even get it in the the running for possibly best picture of the year. And there's a whole aesthetic beauty that it would lose if it was live Mm -hmm. action. Well, because this, this stuff is a, is a hybrid obviously of a lot of different techniques and the end of the day, it's built in a computer, but that's really only a part of the story because I mean, you have artists working with like Wacom tablets that are just, that are digitally drawing and yeah. painting things like it's not it sort of does this does them a disservice to say it was crafted yeah. inside of a computer program because they might as well have been using oils and pastels and um charcoal and then scanning it in that's the that's kind of the aesthetic that you get and so it's it's super painterly museum piece kind of looking stuff and that's why i think it it just it's unlike anything i've ever seen it just yeah. completely bends the the format this is a perfect example of why i believe cinema is the greatest art form ever devised mm-hmm. yep it, it, it's taken that and pushed it so far down you know nolan's pushing it with imax and a and a large format image and you know beautiful film grain and doing things in camera and this is doing the same thing in a, just in a completely different space when it comes to, to animation. This is, I, I don't know what to compare it to. I guess I feel like watching this probably how somebody felt watching like, I don't know, Fantasia or something. Back, um, yeah. When Disney kind of in the golden age of, you know, every time Disney Walt Disney came out with some new technique, you know, where he came up with like the multiplane camera. Yep. With a different, like this like, is this is kind of in the same vein as that. Like this is this is our multi-plane camera. Whatever techniques they're using digitally to create this image, 
that's what you're getting. Getting off the visuals a little bit, even though that's such an amazing part, but there's so much else to do. Um, that is great. Like, again, the story, I mean, the dialogue itself, there's not every, like, it feels like every sentence is said with, with some type of weight or is worthwhile to be said. There's very little exposition or what exposition there is, is done in a, in a interesting way, or at least in a way that moves it forward and gets you quickly into it. Um, and I love that, you know, still kind of the, the, not the trope, but the, the thing they started in, in, the, in the first one where basically like every Spider-Man tells its kind of origin story or whatever. And so when we get the new Spider-Man, it's like, I still like that they kind of make those callbacks, but there's, there's a lot of good moments. And some of them, I laughed so hard at like two or three moments in this movie that just had, and I don't want to spoil them for people, but like there are those moments. Again, this movie doesn't take itself too seriously. It knows when it can kind of make that little poignant joke or add that little extra bit in. And there were some moments in, in here that like, there was a couple like small action sequences that I was not. And by small, I mean like they're not small that I completely the wrong word, but like some of the action sequences were some of the best action sequences I have seen ever. Like there's especially like one moment that is this main thing. And I'm just in awe going, Oh my goodness. And, and you couldn't have done this very well in anything but an animated. I mean, honestly you could have done it, but it would have all been CGI. There's no way that we could have really replicated this in live action. Well, and there's movies that try to do it and it just, there's something that's done in this animation and with all the different art forms that they use that just adds another layer to it that you would have lost. Everything would have kind of just blended into the background. But because of these different art forms, because of the way it's it's drawn, it it, it there's pops and it looks so visually stunning. The other thing I got to say, I want to tell you uh, what. Oh, my goodness. Um, Daniel Kaluuya. His performance as Hobie was my favorite thing about this entire movie. My goodness, like the guy's not on screen very super long, but I'm just like I, I, I want to watch a whole series on that character. I don't care. Like, just give me that character. Give me Daniel doing that. That 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 person. That was awesome. Yeah, awesome. I mean everybody's high level. Schwartzman's incredible. Oh, as Schwartzman's. Spot. Yeah, oh. he is. Um, you're right. Oscar Isaac, a guy I like to bang on on the podcast, <laughs> is, gr- is great as as Miguel. Miguel, like he is, he's really good. Um, I didn't even, I don't even think I ever realized that it was uh, um, Shay Wiggum from uh, Boardwalk Empire that vo- mm-hmm. that voices George Stacy. He's mm-hmm. really good. Um, everybody is gives really heartfelt performances. Like they they feel. They do. It's weird. They feel like real characters, real people. Mm -hmm. They, I don't know. There's just a commitment to the craft. And I think you're right. I think the script is, is excellent. And so you naturally get better voice work when the script is this good and the characters are this Mm well-written and have purpose and have arcs and have their journeys kind of explained to them. I tell you right now, uh, Steinfeld is, is Gwen Stacy, like, I looked at about half halfway through. I was like, I got to know who this is. Cause I couldn't pinpoint who this was. And it said it was Steinfeld. And I didn't really, I didn't really look at when it, the, the first movie. So I didn't know. And I was like, I was like, no, cause it's so different. It's so like, even knowing that it was Steinfeld, I still was having a hard time realizing like, didn't hear her. I heard Gwen Stacy, you know, like, and that's the kind of performances you're getting are like, 
yeah, Oscar Isaac was probably the one that was the most noticeable to me just because his performance, him and, um, Jake Johnson, who plays, uh, Peter B Parker or whatever and stuff like that. So, cause there was a couple of things that they do and as other characters, other performances, but everybody else, I mean, but again, those little tidbits of little, little kind of their idiosyncrasies of how they say things kind of crept through, but everybody else kind of was just, I was very surprised when I saw some of these names. Yeah. Because it's like, like with, with Jeff Morales, it's, you know, it's Brian Tyree Henry, who we discussed at length, mm-hmm. who's in bullet train. Yeah. And you don't know. I mean, by the way, he's, I'm looking him up. He's from, uh, at least he was born there. He's born in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. What? Yeah, which is like my old stomping grounds when I was a kid, when my dad was was posted. I think it's like I don't know, is it like Fort Liberty or something now? It used to be Bragg, but yeah, that's that's where he's from, and yeah, he's great. He's great. Everybody's really really good, and you know, it takes some, it takes a little bit of lack of ego in a lot of ways to take on a role in something like this that's so much bigger than you are. Cause this thing is, it's, it's more than the sum of its parts. Yeah. And you would think that the, I don't know, the voice work just really stands on its own and doesn't ever feel the characters never feel overpowered by the visuals. Like all the characters are so well-defined and so interesting and their struggles are all so clear on what they're wrestling with it kind of blew me away that even, even in spite of these massive action sequences that I, I think it's cause you care about the character. Mm-hmm. I've, we've seen this stuff before where you don't, you don't care. Yeah. And Marvel's been struggling with this as of late, you know, yeah. the, it's not that the action sequences aren't cool or interesting. It's just, I don't care about nope. the character. Nope. Or what, or, or the villains or what, ha- what's happening. Yeah. yeah, I know Sony's gotten as far as I'm concerned, Sony can kind of keep I think eventually they have to give up the Spider-Man license again. I don't remember how Where this it works. Gone. It's so convoluted at this point, but But it's at least nice that they're playing nice with Marvel and you can have kind of these pinpoints because there's references to the MCU in this movie specifically to things that have, have happened. And I, I want to know where they're going with this cuz yeah. cuz the the title is Beyond the Spider-Verse. Mm. And I'm, I'm like, do we get, do we get the crossover? Yeah. That with Holland be. is Holland going to show up? Like, is it going to mesh live action with this animation style at some point? Well, they are, but they already did this in this one. There were yeah. multiple scenes that they, they meshed, uh, they did. L- live action. They did. I mean, yeah. Not for long periods of time, but no, there, there was, but it's there. So it's, maybe yeah. they're teasing it. Maybe that's where it's all going. Yeah. And I'm not even a big Spider-Man fan. No. My daughter is, although as of late, Batman has, uh, has taken the one spot. So <laughs> that's good parenting. She loved, she loved Spider-Man from the very beginning and she still loves Spider-Man, but she is a bigger fan of the, the live action stuff generally. Um, and she's a good girl cause she really likes, uh, Andrew Garfield. Good. Good. Yeah. That's, that's my, yeah, that's my girl. I mean, that's my girl. Yeah, he's technically but, not my Spider-Man because I was, you know, was round and much younger, not much younger, but like, you know, with um, what's his face? Oh, my Toby. goodness. 
Toby. Like Toby yeah. should be technically my Spider-Man because you it's know, Garfield. But, no, yeah, Garfield's Garfield. way better oh, actor. So Runs circles better. around McGuire. Even though the movies are so much worse. <laughs> they are. <laughs> like, no, they are. They, they are. They are. Yeah, we <laughs> we're not. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're not going to do a Spider-Man retrospective right no, now, and I don't know if we ever sorry. will. But I wonder if that's where it's going. I wonder if they're going to finally just give us this crazy crossover again. Because mm. obviously, Holland's Spider-Man's like in a really dark place. All right, so there's one thing I love with all of these multiverse movies of Spider-Man and stuff that everybody changes for the most part, you know, like everyone has different characters like, or like Spider-Man's different person and each thing, but you know, who stays the exact same Jonah Jameson and his voice by the wonderful JK Simmons. And I love the fact yes. that he <laughs> yes. does not, he is the constant, but he's the constant in all the movies. He was obviously in the Tobey Maguire ones. I think he was in the Andrew Garfield ones. I mean, like, we're just like, he is the one constant through every yes, single multi-universe. And you know what? I'm here for it. I, I love J.K. Simmons. I think he's an amazing actor. Underused. I do too. And I, and I love J.K. Simmons even more when I found out he was a diehard Ohio State fan, which unfortunately J.K. Yeah. and I are licking our wounds for the third year in a row. Sorry, buddy. So, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, yeah. they just, they got to figure it out. But yeah, he's, he's amazing. And you're right. <laughs> every, every version of the multiverse it's still him even if he might look different but it's still, it's still him it's still, it's still him. It, might be a le- it. it might be a little lego guy but he's still <laughs> parker get in here but he's still like the same person he does yeah. not change his no. character is the same from one universe to the next does Maybe not there'll matter be some fun easter egg in the third entry where yeah. like he is the he is the central character to fix everything since he doesn't. <laughs> maybe he, doesn't maybe he becomes a Spider-Man. <laughs> just ties every uh, every universe uh, together. Uh, yeah, you know, you're right. That is hysterical. Absolutely hilarious. Sony, Marvel, I am here for you keeping Simmons as Jameson for the rest of the rest of it. Oh, you he know. should be able to play that character for as long as he wants to. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's him. 100% it's him. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm totally here for it i mean yeah yeah oh my goodness it this is this again this movie blew me away uh and i didn't go in with high expectations i went in with i would say like medium high expectations because i liked the first one so much that i was like this i went but much like you i didn't expect them to reach this high i didn't i didn't expect like the dark knight or empire strikes back level of sequel i expected whatever like like oh hey the first one did great let's let's do it but like you could tell that there was actually so you know doing some reading stuff like that there's actually things that i didn't remember that they definitely planned this into the spider-verse across the Spider-Verse, beyond the Spider-Verse storyline, because there's actually beat points in the first one that they didn't talk about in the first one, but directly reference where they were going with it. You wish Disney would have had that kind of foresight when they were doing Star Wars sequel trilogies and such. That, that, um, That master plan. Yeah, that master plan of, like, this is where we are, this is where we want to go. It's kind of shocking when the studios decide to not do that. It's like, what, wait, what? Why would you, why would any other method make sense? No, I'm not going to get into that because we're going to devolve into a Star, a Star Wars. That's another, no, that's another, another pod. that's for another pod. pod. But yeah, with the MCU kind of struggling right now, this is kind of what 
if you're fans of this kind of material, I think this is the this is the one you want to hang your hat on right now. Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting at an 8.7 on IMDb right now. I struggle because I look at the box office numbers and it tells me a lot of people saw this, but then in my circles, nobody's seen it. You need to see this movie. Like if you consider yourself any sort of movie fan, you owe it to yourself to watch this. And you need to get it over the fact that it's animated. You need yeah. to, yeah, this needs to be, watch it for the movie that it is. This is, this has got story beats. Every bit as good as the best stuff that Pixar's mm-hmm. put out. Oh yeah. And Pixar's kind of the standard bearer when it comes to animated movies, or at least they were when it comes to narrative. And this is, this is right there. Mm-hmm. This is right there. I mean, and, and it's, you, it's definitely right. You were talking about the fact that it was like a coming of age story. And I think like stand by me is a coming of age of you're no longer a child. You know, you're no longer a kid. You're losing your innocence as a child. Yeah. I think this is more about that transition of from like kid to adulthood of, yes. you know, and like where you've already lost your innocence kind of a situation. Right. But you're like that teenager kind of feel. And then now having to deal with the responsibilities or the consequences of your actions and not, you know, not having your parents be there to catch your fall all the time. Right. But it does with that. It deals with that other aspect of like adolescence where you don't want anybody to help you. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're help averse to -hmm. your detriment basically. And so it, it challenges that as well. It's like, yeah, you're not mommy and daddy's little boy anymore, but those lines of communication still need to be open because th- these are people that love you and can help you. And watching that dynamics, like in this movie is it's heartbreaking and it's also extremely frustrating too. It's like, what, what are we doing? And, but that conflict, it's what makes stories so interesting and it's there in spades and it's, it's not merely just, Oh, we need to save the world. It's like, it gets much more micro than that a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And those are my favorite moments when it kind of quiets down and, you know, they might be miles and Gwen might be sitting together on the edge of a building. And the, the soundtracks in these, these films are extra, ex- exceptional by mm-hmm. the way. And it's more, tr- it's more traditional. It's like, it's got a little bit of orchestral stuff that'll kick in sometimes too, but it's, it's kind of a mixture of, of modern artists as well. So it's, it, matches its aesthetic where it's kind of this hodgepodge. I can't say enough good things about this film. I'm glad you liked it. I, yeah. I was wondering, I, and just so folks know that there's nothing, there's nothing in either Alec or I's like film backgrounds that would say that we would love this movie. Like it's not really, it's not really up my alley. If I look, if I look at what I typically like, there's not, it, there's not any reason that I would have, would have hated it, but there's not really, if you would have looked at my like top 10 list or mm-hmm. movies I gravitate towards, you'd have been like, Oh, he, he probably think it's okay. Yeah. I, but we both, I do. I adore this film. This is, this is one of the best things. This isn't just one of the best things you'll see in 2023. I think this is one of the best things you'll see. Most people will probably see in a five to 10 year window. Mm-hmm. It's that good. I'm 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 okay with that statement, a hundred percent. Yeah, I, and I'm sure there'll be uh, there'll be naysayers and stuff, but if you've not seen it, you owe it to yourself to watch this and at least figure out whether you like it or not. Because 
I happen to think that it's made with a lot of care, even if I kind of disagree with some of the methods. <laughs> Those poor, apparently there were a thousand visual effects artists and I don't know that it was a thousand the entire time. I'm guessing they just <laughs> ran through a thousand people. <laughs> oh man, that's rough. Yeah. Uh, I will say, yeah. Uh, I mean, definitely if you haven't watched the first one, watch the first one. Yes. This is, and if you didn't like the first one, still watch the second one. Like the, I, I like, I, I, there's, there's stuff to the second one. I think that could bring you around, but even the first one's great. Like even the first one I really enjoyed as well. I like this one better, but the first one's still like, it's very much a, the first one was the first outing they learned and improved upon for the second. Um, and, you know, kept that thought process. There's just a lot of exposition and background that you don't have to rehash when you launch into a second entry that's already established. So you're very true. You should be free, freer writing it to get the story to move at a quicker pace. And it, yeah. and this does. So it's a really cool world they've built. And I'm more than happy to sit down cool. and appreciate yeah, I'm gonna it. I'm going to have to watch it again soon here. Yeah. See. So. I haven't watched it since it's been in since i watched it in theaters i don't think right, i've fire up that projector put that sucker on man and yeah do it. oh yeah see how it goes mm-hmm. um any last thoughts we implore people to watch consume more content on here mm-hmm. and we're not a review we're not a review pod that's not no. i i have to sometimes label stuff as movie reviews on uh on youtube to get people to watch it but <laughs> <laughs> it and yeah it's a good reminder we are on youtube and uh you can watch the podcast over there. I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to tell anybody how to consume our podcast, but honestly, it wouldn't be a bad idea to, to go and subscribe to our YouTube channel, cinema A to B. And I put chapter marks on our podcast episodes and you can jump around at, as you please. That's what it's there for. Jump around, see what interests you. And then give us a listen as an audio only later you know, when you can actually, you know, the beauty of the audio only is you can, you can do any number of errands or chores or ride around in your car or whatever and listen to us. Whereas YouTube, you gotta, you gotta sit there. So, well, and there's, there's also one benefit to YouTube as well is that, uh, you just, we just came out with an enhanced episode of Saving Private Ryan, which is on YouTube only. There is no enhanced audio only version. Yeah, And by the time this episode comes out, that thing will have probably been a month or month and a half old, but yeah, um, it's, yes. Yeah, thanks for reminding me, Alec. Cause yeah, we're going to do these, these enhanced episodes, like I think at least quarterly and we'll pick a past episode and I'll, uh, I'll kind of enhance it with some, some of the clips on some of the material we're talking about from, from these films and shows. And I'm not sure what the n- next one's going to be. I have a, I have an idea, but uh, (laughs) yeah, we're trying to do that, but yeah, we're, uh, by we, Ben is going to, well, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I edit for a living. It's, it's fine. It doesn't, it's yeah. I don't have quite the time to, uh, to dedicate to turning all of our episodes into, you know, clip shows, but, and that's not what we're about, but no, no, we never set this out to, uh, to create a YouTube channel. It's really just an extension of the podcast and, We appreciate everybody uh, listening. Catch you next week. Thanks, everybody.